Welcome back to season two of the Run Culture Podcast. My name is Dane Verway. I'm an experienced running physiotherapist, coach, and marathoner. This season will involve open discussions with my running colleagues about the key principles behind injury-free running and optimal performance. It'll be backed by personal experience, science, and history. I can only hope some of these chats inspire curiosity and expand or confirm perspectives and beliefs amongst the running community. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the episode. brief interlude from the show guys before I get back to it if you have any running injuries or running questions training indecisions and you want to book an online or in-person physiotherapy appointment with myself Dane Verway go to www.runculture.org while there you can also find a link to my online strength and conditioning community where you'll join an exclusive members only Facebook group and gain access to over 220 minute running specific mobility Pilates or strengthening routines Anyway, enough from me, let's get back to the show. What I wanted to chat about today, I know I haven't really given you much of a heads up, but it was an extension off that first chat that we had where we talked about uh, running performance and running injuries um, and trying to get more people to sort of realize that um, there's a lot of um, factors and reasons and um, that go into um, why we have running injuries and and why um, you know why we don't improve or why we improve so that whole complex system approach so and then to appreciate that with all those factors there's some bigger factors like the big rocks um, that potentially if you focus on them and prioritize them, they could change your performance uh, a little bit more. And sometimes we're focusing our attention on smaller things and marginal gains and not prioritizing, um, you know, the, the main things that, you know, un- underpin running performance. And so today I wanted to talk about the idea of um, uh, chaos and control in someone's training regime. And so, where I wanted to start off, Caden, was like when we've got like a beginner runner and like when you see a beginner runner and they're just new to the sport, um, what do you find yourself doing as a physio quite often um, when you're looking at their their training regime? When, like would you say that they're quite controlled with um, with what they're doing or quite often they're a little bit chaotic um, I know that's quite a like everyone's different, but like when in a like a, when you look at the beginner on average, um, like uh, yeah, and you're looking at their training as a whole, do you find yourself um, trying to introduce more variability in their training regime, or you're trying to um, control a few factors a little bit more? Yeah, I think both. Eh? Um, yeah. 
like often you're trying to create polarization. Um, well, I try to anyway. <clears throat> I mean, obviously there's different opinions around polarization, but I think often I see in beginner runners, they tend to run at the same intensity a lot of the time. So they try and run fairly hard most of the time, actually. And they're quite surprised often when I explain to them how slow I run. Or, you know, relative speeds, I think, is probably more important. You know, often I use the, analogy, well, I use the um, idea that I run a marathon at low three-minute Ks, but I do a lot of my training, bulk of my training at 4.40s to five minutes. So, you know, you find a lot of beginner runners are always trying to run faster. So that, I think that's something, trying to create some polarisation from that point of view where they have quite clear um, loading, or higher load days and quite clear lower load days. Um, just to allow progression and then um, recovery. Yeah. And then I think you're trying to... Um, the other thing that sometimes I find is that there may be uh, chaos in the um, type of things they're wanting to do, so or the type of training modalities they're wanting to use, so there's not clear planning in terms of um, their the stresses that they're placing upon themselves and... Um, clear planning in terms of what adaptations they're trying to achieve. Yep. So I think that's important. I think obviously there's the lifestyle factors as well. Like, and you know, if you think about yourself as a, a younger runner, you tend to not really hone in on too much on, on the lifestyle factors that influence running um, performance and then injury risk as well. Like I think, you know, you tend to be a little bit less systematic about your recovery outside of training. Um, your diet, your sleep, and then as you tend to age, you get a bit smarter with that stuff. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, spot on, yeah. Yeah, so I think, but then you tend to see the really, I think the really good athletes, and I'd, I'd use Ollie Shigman as an example of this, like just from the get-go, very good at, at, at all of those things. Um, really understood principles of training quite early on, uh, good lifestyle management, and, you know, I think that sort of reflects in his success um, from a young age. And, you know, he's had his um, difficulties, but, um, you know, by and large, he's gotten better every year. Yeah. So, yeah, it really does depend on um, on the individual, but I think there is a pattern generally of learning. And I think the differentiation a lot of the time between athletes that, you know, if we're talking from a pure performance point of view, athletes that go on and perform well, it's do they learn these things and they are willing to accept these things, you know, whether it be creating um, more uh, control around what they're doing. I mean, in some instances, it's not also not being too afraid of chaos. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's why I thought it was a good, good topic because you can bounce um, either side of the argument or, or not argument, but just like this, this sort of um, chat, um, along the way. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, um, uh, yeah, agree. Like I think the, a lot of the, um, beginner runners that I treat, they're trying to do everything to get better. Like they're so keen and suddenly enthusiastic and they're so, they're trying to learn and, and suddenly they're, um, getting new shoes. They're, they're changing this, changing that, trying all these different training sessions, uh, ramping up their volume, ramping up their intensity, uh, running more um and uh and then yeah probably probably um not as attentive um uh 
uh, like we were as juniors to the the idea of recovery and rest and how important that that is um, and, uh, and and probably yeah sometimes focusing on small marginal gains like um, Normatec boots and um, and and thinking that they're, they're the bee's knees um, and they're going to really move move um, you know their their performance and I think like often um, yeah it's easy to miss the point and I like that idea of like control early on when you're starting because it's like a science experiment because then you're controlling a lot of variables um, and then you're maybe tinkering and introducing a little bit of controlled chaos into uh, one aspect um, and then if your performance improves or if it uh, regresses then you can sort of learn okay uh, that that aspect that I've tinkered with um, you know is is helping me like so whether um, you're, you're adding an extra run or you're adding um, a workout and you've never done workouts before and suddenly you see your improvement um, in performance uh, if you're controlling the other factors and keeping them somewhat the same and you're not introducing all these changes at once, um, yeah, more likely to avoid a bit of a boom and bust cycle where you're bouncing from injury to injury and, you, and you're not learning because you're not too sure why you're injured um, because you tried to change a million things at once. Um, and and, and your, yeah, your, your training regime was a bit chaotic. Um, so I think early on, like it definitely helps uh, to helps you learn uh, what what um, is important and it keeps you consistent. Um, but then, yeah, definitely, I, I see the importance of introducing some chaos over time and not being scared of it, because that's actually how we get better. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, what about the experienced runner? Like you, t you mentioned, Ollie Chignall, um, but like. If you like think of like some of the elite runners, um, you know yourself included, but some of the guys that you run against, um, uh, would you say that week on week that they've got like a heap of control in their regime, and, and how much chaos would would like um, you know someone like that have? Yeah, I think. Well, I for one probably have been afraid of chaos at times. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I think. Uh, you know, sometimes I think when it comes to international events, they can be quite chaotic. You know, you might be in a foreign country, um, different food. Uh, you know, in Doha, for example, it was incredibly hot. Um, so things that that create some chaos uh, and a bit of panic because it's something that's outside of what you're used to. So I think in those situations, being able to be controlled in the chaos is um, really, really important. So, you know, and that comes uh, in competition day as well when everybody's um, pretty revved up with emotion and, you know, you've got to somehow uh, not not become too chaotic yourself. So, yeah, I think it's definitely a blend and, um, you know, you want to be controlled in your emotions and be able to handle the, the chaotic environments and not let, let them overwhelm you. But in order to do that, you do have to expose yourself to those situations. So it's just not something that you can you can practice um, without, without being exposed to some element of chaos. So um, 
I think that's why, like, you know, I think being an athlete who works um, pretty much full-time, yeah, I definitely work full-time if you count the admin hours that I do. Um, <laughs> the, um, you know, being able to to manage those things and still get quality training and I think builds resiliency um, and then adding a, you know, additional family member into the mix as well that you've got to be responsible for. Um, so you have to be a bit more flexible. So, yeah, I think not narrowing your world view too much is pretty important because um, you can get very uh, sort of conditioned to your environment. So if you, you know, making sure that you're exposing yourself to different environments, which can be challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's been an important part of performance. Yeah, oh, that's, that's, that's like such a good um, example where chaos can be like so important. Like I feel like um, you can get so tied to your training regimes and then every week you're doing the same thing. Um, and I'm just thinking of one of the boys I, I coach and um, uh, won't name names and hope he doesn't mind me mentioning, but um, like it, whenever I suddenly change the training session or I go, oh, let's go in reverse or, um, uh, or if I, yeah, if the training session is not what he expected, he really struggles to cope with it. Um, and I, I think um, it's like something that I've never really thought about before until just the recent months where I think it's good for him. And rather than just going, oh, we're training the physiology here, uh, we have to do this kind of workout again, let's just keep doing this workout, we do it the same way. Just introducing a few different things into training where they're a bit unexpected. And even like sometimes adding an extra rep at the end when they're not expecting it. Um, I think that, that um, like, you know, as long as it, like you know that the person's resilient enough and, um, and, and you know, you, you're backing that they're gonna cope because they've, you know, been doing it for a while and they're strong enough. I, I think it's a great great mental training for that unexpectedness of race day where, you know, it's an imperfect world out there and there's, um, yes, you just never know what's going to pop up, like whether your laces come undone or you fall over or, um, yeah, it's uh, a lot windier than you, you planned for. You, you're better able to sort of um, go, okay, well, it's not a big deal um, and you focus on on uh, perhaps like, oh, well, I've trained for, you know, consistently for, t for 12 months now, um, I can cope with this rather than letting that small variability that you didn't expect uh, really get to you mentally. So you stay, stay positive out there. Um, yeah, I was talking to a running coach yesterday um, about one of the boys that she coaches and um, she was just about this same topic and um, yeah, she was mentioning how um, he was very rigid and um, inflexible um, and it was his first day at training and his mum was there and all the um, squad that she normally coaches were all out playing footy and just mucking around and there was the normal chaos that um, happens before training and she was like, oh no, this is probably a bad impression for uh, this young boy's first training session. Um, but then, uh, his mum was like, no, no, this is good. Like, this is good. He needs, he needs a bit of chaos and, um, and, and a bit of, 
because uh, it's fun and it's and it's variety and it keeps you enthusiastic about training and um, yeah you um, you enjoy the moment um, when there's a bit of variety. Some of the, some of the magical moments of life happen when um, things are a bit uh, out of the ordinary and, and unexpected and and you just kind of remember that stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I think there there is value in it. Um, uh, but then like, I, I think, uh, yeah. And, and that's where I guess like, you just got to pick the person that, um, probably needs it a little bit. Um, uh, and, and, and you can, and where you can, um, see that it would be valuable, um, for that person. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you got anything to add there or. Um, no, I think, yeah, I percent agree with you. Yeah. It really is individual dependent. Um, you know, certainly with, for me, it's hard at times like to accept new tra ways of training and that type of thing. Um, particularly when you've had some great performances from a particular way that you train, you know, it can be really hard to, to break away from that model. Um, but I think, you know, your brain doesn't need it. Um, cause you just get so conditioned to one way of doing things if you're constantly doing it that way. And, um, the variability is what creates um, adaptability and then progress so yeah but I do think it is a mix between the two yeah yeah does it like um I've got a good personal sort of yeah account with um uh control and consistency like one of my coaches that I've had uh Pete Swallow um like he he said you got to make consistency your middle name um and so we just trained the same structure every week for seven years and um there was a little bit of variability in that. So we still did the same session. We'd do quarters every Thursday. Um, we'd do a long run every Sunday, a medium long run every Wednesday, um, and a 20 minute tempo during the week. Uh, and then maybe a Monaghetti Fartlek or 1K reps. And that was pretty much what we did for seven years. But the variability came in terms of if you're feeling tired, you just didn't go all out, but you still did the same session. Um, uh, a little bit of variability came in, in over time once you'd shown that you could do that, that training for two years and not get injured and, and stay, stay consistent. Then slowly you added five minutes onto your long run and then, then another five minutes. Um, but the changes weren't weekly. They were like, they were over time. Um, and a lot of the changes also in terms of intensity almost weren't forced. They kind of just happened. So like, uh, as I got better for 5k, I changed my aims for the quarters and, and what I tried to do. And if I was having a good week, I went for it. If I was having a bad week, I, a tired week, I, I was just, I'm just going to get through this and, and do sort of a moderate kind of quarters session. Um, but yeah, it was interesting how, that kind of training worked for a long time, but then after four or five years, um, my performances sort of, uh, plateaued and this isn't the same for everyone. Um, I get that, but for me, I felt like I just was really, um, stale and I needed a change. So then I, I started training a little bit different and, and maybe trained a bit more specifically for the marathon and did more sort of, uh, marathon specific, uh, sessions here and there. And, and probably let my speed go a little bit, but that was like um, almost like perfect timing because I'd been consistent and controlled for a huge amount of my running career. So it's almost like I was so resilient that I could 
cope with this um, bigger change and, and a bit bigger variability um, than had uh, I would have been able to do maybe when I was younger. Um, my tissues were just sort of more resilient and and mentally it was a, it was awesome like just to do something different and and I was really enthusiastic about training and and uh, yeah I, I adapted well mentally and and uh, physically um, to that type of training and, and performed well so it was like I thought that was a really good example of where um, what what I, my experience with um, controlled training and then introducing a bit of chaos um, here and there like do you have any personal accounts Caden of um, with your own training um, at all like I know you just mentioned like you find it hard to um, yeah once you've found a successful method like it's hard to like introduce anything different but um, yeah what's what's your um, thought process there I think it's been particularly hard me coming off of Doha to it took me a while to sort of be okay with changing up my training um, you know you go from the greatest race of your life to then um, so what's next and then having to particularly for future marathons having to be okay with trying something new but then again it's sort of one of those scenarios where like well if I don't do something new I probably won't get any better because I'm so adapted to what I was doing that, that the likelihood of me improving by continuing to do the same thing is pretty slim so I think there's obviously fundamentals and what you're doing that stay the same but as you say sort of adding in that little bit of variability or <clears throat> you know you can view that as chaos because it's, it's, it's away from the norm um is what you need to improve um and that can be quite uncomfortable you know mentally to do that so for me you know uh i did the same long run i think 70 times between Doha and and now, I would say. Um, and I did it 48 times between Doha and Penrith last year. Um, <laughs> and so I sort of thought to myself, well, this marathon build up this year, but I'm not going to do it as frequently. I think it's still a core part of my training because I know it builds strength and resiliency and that type of thing. But I think mentally it's not as exciting so it's not um doesn't bring me the same enthusiasm that i once did um and then so too am i really going to get the adaptations from it that i want because obviously not only are those adaptations physiological but they're um biochemical they're in, in the brain as well and so um you know I, one of the things i'll i'll discuss with my coach is um how we attack or how we go about the long run differently this time. And, um, but then, you know, we might alternate one week of doing something different with one week of, of what I have always done. So there's some consistency there in terms of what I've done in the past, but um, just something new to, to stimulate a new response and some excitement um, and thirst for training. And yeah, it's probably, I think because I'm aware of it now, it's much easier for me to accept it. But I think in the past, you know, I've been quite reluctant to try new things because I haven't been necessarily aware of my own biases towards 
things or my own reluctance to, to um, be okay with change, even though it's slightly uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you can kind of step away from your own emotions and biases and, and try and look at things differently. But that comes with age as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hopefully not, <laughs> hopefully not too late. But um, but how do yeah, you like? How do you? How did you decide? Like, like obviously that that long run was getting stale. So you just had that like inner feeling, that intuition, that that, and and you you've done it for so long. Um, that so then you and you're going to have a ch- chat to your coach uh, tonight uh, about your, your next marathon build up, which is pretty exciting. Um, and, um, but like, how do you decide like what should change and what should uh, the fundamentals that should should stay relatively constant for distance running success? Like, um, yeah, like what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think that's quite individual dependent. Eh? Like, for me, I know I need to. Like my whole career, I've always needed to do solid long runs to run well. So, you know, my Chris has a good saying um, that, you know, you should coach an athlete to the plumbing they have, not the plumbing they don't have. Um, and so I do do believe that in the sense that, you know, my strong suit's my aerobic capacity. I'm never going to be a world-class 1,500-meter runner. So, you know, for me, it's about maximizing, particularly in the marathon, it's about being as aerobically strong as I can. But then also... You know, the marathon's still about speed, so there's still got to be some element of speed involved. Um, and I think, you know, I've taken a lot out of the Steve, Magnus and Marcus podcast that you've shared with me recently, um, just around their ideas of speed um, in conjunction with aerobic training. And that's something I've implemented a lot lately, where I've just done regular short bouts of faster running. Um, which, again, is somewhat chaotic for me because it's putting myself in a situation that's quite uncomfortable you know i've never found speed training comfortable or enjoyable really um so i've always biased towards aerobic running and sometimes i don't even think about doing any speed because i'm so focused on the aerobic side of things and so this ever since since these guys i was like well actually you know if i think about it it's an area of my training i've really been neglecting like i haven't so like i go down the track and do you know some 150s every week or anything like that, where I'm just really working on speed. It's, um, I might do some stride outs once a week, but I'm not, they're not objective. I'm not trying to see how fast I'm running or working on um, mechanics and that type of thing. And so, you know, it's a big gap in my training really, where I was like, I'm just completely ignoring that. Um, and I think, you know, I didn't want to make it metabolic in the sense where I was really running metabolically demanding sessions which in the past have, have effect, you know particularly when I was in the states you know we did a lot of metabolically demanding sessions which I think taxed me physically and mentally but there's a difference between that and going and doing you know four 200 meters at 1500 meter race pace you know it's not that metabolic metabolically demanding but you're working on how your brain's working when you're running fast what your muscles are doing how relaxed you are your breathing just all those things that aren't necessarily quantifiable, but um, really important to performance. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it was just being honest with my bias towards the aerobic training and being like, all I do is run and I'm not doing enough, you know, of this faster faster work. And there was no reason why phys- physically I couldn't. Um, my body could tolerate it. And um, it was just something that I was sort of moving away from rather than moving towards. 
I like how like um, you thought about like the metabolic strain and load that adding that could have on your body and you know saying that like oh it's more sort of like a neuromuscular kind of uh, like a brain muscle kind of um, uh, yeah sort of exercise rather than like something that's really like adding heaps and heaps of strain on the system and and it's a huge change um, to your training it's sort of like you've gone well like that's a a high benefit maybe low risk kind of um uh thing to sort of like just you know if i really want to take my running to my ne next level like it's something that i'm you know haven't haven't focused on and i i know you, you know that you're a strong aerobic kind of beast and you just um you know throw off that kind of training and you go really well off doing that kind of work um but like i, I feel i feel like that's good um for people to hear when you're like adding um if you feel like you've got a weakness um in like your own sort of running um and you need to work on something a lot of people sort of like go at a bull at a gate with it and change it drastically and add add add, add heaps of it in um and and i think um the body loves just small change and just gradual change um Otherwise, it can sort of like, um, well, like if you just do a small change, the body hardly knows. So then um, uh, you're less likely to overload the, the system and, uh, and uh, just gradually it, it adapts um, over, over time. Um, and then I think like there is variability though, like when you talk from person to person in terms of their tolerance to, to load. I mean, sure. I, tr I treated someone last year and I couldn't believe like her ability to do this Strava challenge after four months off running. So she didn't run for four months and then she just decided to do 100Ks a week for 10 weeks in a row, which was um, the Melbourne to Sydney Strava challenge. And I saw her in her last week of doing it and she had a little bit of calf tightness, um, which relieved really well from massage and it wasn't an injury. She coped just so amazingly like not everyone can do that um so the it, i think it's um important to also um acknowledge the individual um variability in everyone's um ability to tolerate uh variance and and um huge changes in training um and some people need to be like a bit more slow and steady with the stuff that they add in um Whereas some people um, physically can cope with like a little bit more change, um, but even psychologically as well. So some some runners are more like go with the flow kind of um, runners and love just getting out on trails and 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 doing different um, runs and just different types of runs all the time and just mixing it up and uh, they, that that's why they run. They just love love doing different things and if something becomes just like on the track every day same session uh, mentally they they that's not what they're in it for so um acknowledging um even from a persona sort of side of things um everyone's differences there but then um where it gets challenging um because i see a lot of runners that are sort of go with the flow kind of runners injured um because maybe from a mental sort of side of things, that's what they love about running, but then their body's letting them down in a way. Um, uh, 
because there's not enough control. Um, uh, I don't know. Have you got anything to add sort of there? Yeah, no, 100% agree. I think, um, yeah, it, it is, unfortunately, well, fortunately and unfortunately, a um, individual-dependent thing about how much each person can tolerate. Instead of being able to intrinsically gauge that, it's quite important. Um, yeah, it's quite easy to quantify volume, but it's quite hard to quantify intensity. Um, and, yeah, again, I think with time, you kind of learn how much you can individually tolerate. And some learn quicker than others as well. <laughs> Took me a while to learn. Yeah, <laughs> same. <laughs> um, but I think I think what you reflected on before, where like I probably was a bit more well at the gaze when I was younger, where I go, um, oh, I'm going to start doing this, so I go and do it three times a week as much as I could, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I remember through this phase where I was like, oh, barefoot running, oh, that's going to help heaps, eh? So I like went down to the rugby field and did half an hour barefoot running three times a week and end up with kind of facial pain and ITB pain. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you know. And it could but, be good for you, like, but just not that that kind of <laughs> load, like, so... Not three times a week. Maybe if I've gone and done 10 minutes once yeah. or twice a week, you know. Yeah. So it's sort of the same approach with, with uh, you know, improving my speed. I, I sort of, you know, not necessarily just improving my speed, but being more comfortable with intensity. You know, it doesn't mean you need to go and do hard metabolically demanding sessions, but if you just do an element of intensity um, a couple of times a week that you can recover from within 24 hours, you're still going to get an adaptation. And whether that be mental, physical, um, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's, it's essentially the same thing. So, um, yeah, I think one thing I notice a lot when I run, run fast is I'm quite tense, which obviously if I'm in a marathon, that's not ideal. Like, you know, you don't want to be tense um, and wasting a lot of energy with muscular tension because, you know, you're running faster than you're comfortable with. So I think that's one thing I've been trying to work on lately is just when I do these strides, you know, what am I doing with my body when I'm when I'm doing them? And it's funny, I'd play and have me do 200 metre reps on um, Wednesday and they had a bit of a, they're only, I only did six of them after doing um, a 10 minute up tempo. And, you know, the first five were a bit quicker than I was supposed to do them. And partly because the, um, the tailwind, I think. So the last one I was like, all right, I'll just run it a bit slower. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up running it a second faster than all the other five. Because um, <laughs> you were so more relaxed. <laughs> I was more relaxed, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say relaxed from like an intent point of view. Like I think, you know, you got to be careful what, with what your interpretation of the word relaxed means. But yeah. I think, um, yeah, it was more just sort of floating during the, the repetition rather than, than pushing. And, and I ended up running it quicker. So, yeah, yeah. so that, that was quite funny, but kind of fits with my hypothesis. But, um, <laughs> no, I yeah. love that. Like, um, yeah, I like I like off air. We just I just quickly mentioned like this um like my round of golf last week, and um uh, I've been listening to a podcast um uh, about from this golf psychologist um, Bob Rotella, and um yeah he he just said if you can hit a shot on the um, practice green or fairway, then you should be able to do it out there um, in the proper round where all the pressure's on. Um, if you have the right mindset and um, 
I think sometimes, uh, yeah, um, our body works together like better, like when we're sort of, um, uh, yeah, sometimes we can force it um, and, and we just, oh, I, I definitely know with my one, one meter putts or 50 centimeter putts, um, I just tense up because I'm, I just fear missing it um, so much rather than going, I can get this. Uh, I, got it, I get it on the practice screen all the time. Um, and then my, my muscles just work freely. Um, but that's a bit off topic and I think we've waffled on enough and, and I think we've covered it pretty well. Um, the whole uh, control and chaos in training. Um, a few people listen to this podcast now, Caden, and um, they're probably keen to hear where you're at with your training. Um, uh, what can you f- fill us in on um, with where your training's at and um, what you've got coming up? Yeah, so uh, I'm just about to race for my last track se- uh, race of the season. Um, I was pretty stoked. I ran an 8.25 3K about a month ago, which was my fastest time in 12 years, which was pretty cool. So thank you, uh, Marcus and uh, Magnus, for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was also a good, it was a good field. Um, we had a really good national field in New Zealand. We've got a very good depth in New Zealand at the moment. I think there's four, five us. Oh, there was about nine guys under 18 um which was good so i just got on the back of that and, um went through the first k in 245 which is the quickest k i've run in a while <laughs> um and had, i just had a lot of fun i was the oldest guy in the field like about seven years but um <laughs> I, I just really enjoy again like I, I really love putting myself in situations where i'm under pressure and um you know i find it's where i get the most out of myself so yeah i just love nothing better than putting myself into a situation where I'm not the quickest guy in the field, but I'm going to get pushed along by all the young fellas. Um, so, no, that was awesome. So that was up, that was up in, uh, in Hastings in the Hawke's Bay. And then, yeah, I'm up in Auckland this weekend for the Sir Graham Douglas International, uh, yeah, well, not international, but um, track meeting. Um, so I'm running the 5K there. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited to see what I can do. And, yeah, and then I'll be starting marathon build-up um sort of verbally um my agent sort of verbally said that i'm in in hamburg marathon for april so pretty excited to be running internationally again um new zealand borders will hopefully open next month so that'll make it easier for the past two years new zealand's borders have been closed um to international travel i mean you can't we were able to get um managed isolation quarantine um positions but they became harder and harder to come by um, just with the volume of New Zealanders wanting to come in and then also extremely expensive. So it wasn't really a viable option for me to travel internationally um, the last two years, apart from the trip that I made to Australia last year during the, um, when New Zealand had the bubble, the travel bubble with Australia. Um, so yeah, pretty excited to be heading overseas again and get to measure up against some other marathon runners internationally and yeah, see what I can do. Um, the aim will be a PB. Yep. So whatever that is, um, I'm not getting too focused. I think last year I got a bit focused on, on outcome, like particularly trying to run, uh, you know, an Olympic qualifier. And I think, you know, I sort of lost the enjoyment of my training a bit because I was a bit too focused on, on that. So, yeah, my mindset going into this race is just going to be around a PV. And, you know, if I can get better, that's always, you know, great no matter what. Um, yeah, come is. So, yeah, so that's the approach I'm going to take leading into this one. And, um, 
I'm excited just sort of, as we've just discussed, try some new things in training to give myself that little bit of extra edge. And you're certainly coming off off a track season's good because I know my, my speed's there. So um, it's just a matter of getting back into the hard, sort of long tempo runs and, and stuff like that. But I'm thinking we're probably going to do those slightly differently this time around too. Nice. So. And then... Um... Yeah, you mentioned uh, yeah, dad, dad life. Um, so yeah, how's that going? Because I liked what you actually, how you actually um, positively viewed that um, in relation to the topic of the podcast. And they said, like, you know, suddenly there's a lot more chaos in your life, whether it's um, un- just unexpected stuff. And and I like how you're sort of viewing it. How it means that you're probably going to be better equipped to roll with the punches out there in Hamburg and and roll with the punches um, in training. Um, just um, uh, because um, you get good at like just being flexible and um, and and stuff not being perfect and and perfectly controlled and 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 still just trying to get get the the priorities or the the main stuff done uh, when you can. Um, so yeah, how's dad's life, dad life? Yeah, I'm loving it. Eh? It's um yeah, it's anything. It's not a cliche that it's you know the greatest thing that can happen to you. You know, I think as a human, it's such a human thing to to have a child and. Um, yeah, just the wealth of, uh, sort of value it's brought to my life and um, just enjoying the small moments. I think as a dad, you know, you're not there as often, unfortunately, nor most dads have to, you know, we have to keep working. And, um, you know, I enjoy work, so that's good. But, um, you know, certainly when I get home at night, I try and make the most of the time that I'm spent with him. Um, so that that's cool. And... Yeah, we just had to be a lot more flexible. We travelled to Reefton last weekend. I was meant to run the Buller Half Marathon, but it got cancelled because of COVID. Um, so we went there anyway just because we booked some accommodation. So Reefton's like this small um, form of gold mining town in, in um, the west coast near the South Island. So it's pretty remote, and but it's a beautiful place. And So we just went there. It's just got a small village, and we just walked down and got coffee and bought some pies and... <laughs> and hung out. <laughs> traveling there was certainly a new experience. Like, you know, a three hour, you know, when you're traveling with it's just you and your wife, you sort of think, oh, yeah, it's a three hour drive. It's just going to take three hours. <laughs> so, and they're not like that with a newborn, you're stopping, <laughs> stopping when he wants to stop. Um, and you just have to be okay with it. So, a bit longer than three hours. <laughs> yeah, it's about five in the end. It wasn't, wasn't too bad. Um, but, you know, I think. Part of it's, um, you know, again, being okay with a bit of unpredictability and not getting too wound up about it. And, you know, I think the other thing, you know, I'm trying to role model for him. So, you know, no matter how uh, sort of difficult the situation may be, I can, you know, I can control myself. And I think it's a reflection. You know, try try to be a good father, you know, and in um, always be consistent uh, amongst the chaos. So, um, yeah, that's something I'm really, a value I'm really trying to uphold. So, um, you know, I think if there's anything you can do as a father is to be consistent. So, yeah, no matter how difficult things may get. Magic, um, mate. Um, yeah, as as always, um, brilliant to chat to you. Um, always um, an en- enlightening chat and um, I... I yeah, you're so good at thinking on the spot, and um, you like I'm. It's a pretty tough situation. I put you in the hot seat. I come up with a topic, and um, 
uh, I'm able to do a little bit of like um, prep, but um, yeah, you you yeah, well read and um, and also um, yeah, just just nice because you, you you think about stuff and uh, take your time answering things and um, yeah, enjoy listening to your answers. Well, thanks, Dan. Yeah, thanks for. Trying some challenging ones. I mean, running gives me time to think about the answers, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Hey, cheers.